I know I don't normally give PSAs before episodes. I kind of just get into the bullshit, but I do want to just give a little bit of a warning before we get into this episode. I did talk pretty extensively about my baby shower that happened about a week ago now. Um, And when I was talking about it, I was really caught up in the emotions of how I felt during that baby shower, which is just embarrassment. I feel like I embarrassed myself in even trying to throw a baby shower because almost nobody showed up. I don't want to ruminate too much on that point. And if you're listening to this episode and thinking, Claudia, stop complaining or just stop being so negative, I feel you. These were just my honest emotions as I was going through that situation of throwing a baby shower and having not a lot of people show up. And I think it hits on a bigger issue, which is like friendship ghosting sometimes can, to me anyways, feel even worse than like the dissolution of a romantic relationship or relationship ghosting, especially when you were really counting on people to be there. But I also want to take some accountability. Like your friends are only as good as you are as a friend also. So it's not, I'm not blaming anyone for not showing up. I realized that I probably haven't been the best friend, um, in the last few months or just in general also. Um, so yeah, that's just my PSA. Other than that, I really wanted to give every possible tip I could think of that has helped me throughout this pregnancy, but I realized I've had a pretty uncomplicated pregnancy, so I hope my tips don't come across as a know-it-all, condescending type of thing. I hope they help somebody. I cover everything from nutritional advice to exercise to the stuff that you don't really need that people say you need and all of that stuff. So I really hope this episode helps somebody out there who might be going through pregnancy for the first time. And if you are deciding to throw yourself a baby shower and worried that you're going to embarrass yourself because nobody's going to show up, I'm right there with you. Literally just happened to me. And yeah, I just wanted to give that PSA. Now there's a siren in the back round. So I'm going to get off this. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And that is all. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Something Healthy. I had what was supposed to be kind of like a core memory event this past weekend. Um, I threw my own baby shower. That's probably where I went wrong. Just from the jump, I threw my own baby shower. Other people that I kind of know by association or through the internet... I know it's really common for your loved ones to throw you a baby shower when you're having a baby. I threw my own because I don't have loved ones here um, or really at all. I mean, no, I have like a couple of people. We'll get into it. But anyway, I had to throw my own because I knew no one was going to throw it for me. And I was even on the fence about throwing a baby shower because I was like, is it going to be super depressing? Is no one going to show up? Am I going to be embarrassed because there's no father in the picture? Which, by the way, so ironically, my fucking baby daddy, like, literally lives across the street from me, I'm pretty sure, at this point. Like, I, his grandmother lives across the street from me, and I'm pretty sure he moved in with her. I don't know. Anyway, so that's weird. But I was like, is this going to be embarrassing for me? Cause, and, and sad also, because, you know, all of my pictures are going to be alone. I wanted to do a little gender reveal. That's going to be alone. Um, and on top of that, who will really show up? Because one of my closest friends uh, in Atlanta recently moved to fucking Nigeria. 
Um, I have like two other friends that live here. Another one of my friends lives in New York who actually came down. And then there's like people that you are friends with, but you're not like super close with. So I invited a handful of, of kind of like, you know, friends that you check in with every couple weeks or, you know, you hang out with maybe like not that, not as often. Everyone has their super close friends and their other friends. So I invited a total of eight people and I was like, okay, I'm going to make this purposefully small so that even though like a small baby shower might seem depressing, if it's done on purpose and if there's even a theme behind the smallness of it, then maybe it'll be a little bit less sad. So I thought about it and I was like, okay, I'm going to have a pancakes and pajamas themed shower. And since it's only a handful of people coming, I can buy pajamas for everyone matching pajamas. And we can have kind of like a girl's slumber party vibe during the day with like mimosas and pancakes and like a brunch sort of girly thing. So I put a lot of thought into this because I was like, first of all, there's not going to be any men there. So I might as well just go all in on the girly theme. And this was before I even announced the gender of my baby. Like I still hadn't even told anyone what it was because I was like, we can get into that too. I think I was kind of in denial about it, honestly. But anyway, I put a lot of, of thought into this, right? It was this past Saturday. And I'm so grateful for my one friend who came from New York. She literally like save the fucking day. Um, like five people canceled on me last minute the day of, and I invited eight people. So from the beginning before really the day even got started, as people started canceling, one person said they were sick. The other person said they had allergies, you know, it doesn't matter what the excuses were. I think if you really want to be there for somebody, you would be there. And I don't want to complain. You guys know I hate to complain on this show. I hate to be negative. Um, that's a joke, actually. I I love to complain. All I do is complain sometimes, I think. But people had their excuses, right? And as the excuses rolled in, I kind of realized like, okay, this is going to be really bad. And I can either go cry in my room and have a panic attack because I've set out all of the, this food. I've set out photo stations. I've set out 10 pairs of pajamas all hung up on my fireplace. I've set up all this stuff. I can either have a breakdown or I can keep it together for the three people that actually did come. And obviously I had to just keep it together and keep it pushing. But the whole time, honestly, I have not felt so much anxiety in a while. Like the whole time I was trying to just have conversations with people and act like I was okay, but it was, it was, it was, <laughs> it was not good. It was not good. And it's not that I regret throwing it, but it really, I guess it put things into perspective and I know I talked about Kanye on the last episode and I keep having a quote that he said on his Lex Friedman podcast interview running through my head when he was like, I love cutting the grass low. People wasn't really with you. They was part time. People switch up when it's wartime. I'd rather have people who are really with me and not people who are trying to use me. And the middle part, people wasn't really with you. They was part time is like, Ah, it cuts deep. It cuts deep. And now 
you know, there's a couple people who are like, oh, I'll come drop off your, your gift and whatever. But I told, I literally told everyone, I was like, I don't want gifts. Like, just please come because like, I'm all alone. I don't have family here. Like if I just have a few people at my baby shower, that'll make me so happy. Please. Like that's just the one day. Like I bought all this food. I bought all these decorations. I set out photo stations. I did all this stuff. I set up a spa station. Like I got face masks for everybody. I little cucumber eye patches, all that shit. I was like, honestly, the only thing I want is for people like the people that I invited to show up and they didn't. So I didn't really want to address it because again, I hate complaining. Um, no, I love complaining, but I just was like, this is depressing. Like, this isn't even funny. This is like a shitty, this is just a shitty thing. And I don't want to sound ungrateful. Obviously I'm happy that I'm, I'm grateful for the few friends I do have, but it kind of felt like the knife being twisted of like an even further reminder of like, Oh no, you're really alone. Like, really really for real this time um kind of I mean I guess I still had the few friends that showed up so I don't want to be too dramatic but anyway people were asking me like how it went and kind of just asking about this whole pregnancy stuff I was gonna say shit but that's that sounded wrong to me I don't know anyway I thought I might as well, I'm 32 weeks pregnant now, almost 33 weeks. Why don't we just do a pregnancy episode? I know I've covered it. I've, I've, I've talked about different facets of pregnancy in different episodes really from a few months ago. I've kind of made a conscious decision or tried to not talk about pregnancy as much recently just because I'm like, this is boring. But a lot of people have asked me like, how mainly how I've actually stayed kind of in shape throughout this whole pregnancy thing. And I want to address that because I don't know if my method has been the healthiest, but I have had a relatively like at least physically healthy pregnancy. So if anyone is out there thinking about having a baby or just curious or maybe you're pregnant now I don't know, whatever your situation is, I am not a fucking pregnancy wizard. Obviously, I've really been winging it as I've gone along. However, there are some things that I think really have helped me. And there's also some things that I've really, really, really learned along the way. And I wish that someone would have just sat me down in the beginning and I would have saved so much money. I would have saved so much stress and I would have just felt so much more prepared, but because I really didn't know what I was doing and I had, there was nobody like coached me through this. Nobody gave me a heads up, um, about anything, any of this. So the one thing my friend was like, girl, you better get on food stamps. And I was like, wait, what? I don't even understand how that works. Like I'm from Canada. We don't have food stamps. Like I literally didn't understand how any of this shit worked. I didn't understand how medical billing worked. I didn't understand how expensive it would be. I didn't understand, you know, how incompetent so many doctors would be, the different types of care that's available to you, all this shit. So anyway, pretty much from the beginning, I was like a fucking blind person being led by nobody, being led by myself. And the first hospital that I called, I thought, okay, 
I guess I'm just going to have to pay for this out of pocket because in Canada we have, you know, there's most of your healthcare is covered in America. It's infamously not covered and I don't have insurance. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to like wing it and hope it's not going to be too expensive. So I called this place, they gave me a quote and they said, it's going to be $5,000 for all of your prenatal care visits. Um, and then labor and delivery, like we will see after. So I was like, okay, well 5,000 for the, for the, you know, the next nine months essentially is how I looked at it. Cause I was like, I'm about to be pregnant for nine months. Um, I can do that. That's not great. But like, if I know that's the price, then we can, that's fine. And that's, this was allegedly a good hospital. It was Piedmont hospital here in Atlanta. Um, I don't know if I should have said that, but it doesn't matter. I'm not going there anymore. Uh, but I was like, okay, if I know that's the price, then let's do it. Mind you, this was at the very beginning of my pregnancy. So I had just been working. I had just been at the club, like right before I found out I was pregnant. I had, you know, more disposable income at that point. I didn't really know how hard it was going to be to essentially like not really be working for nine months and to have to invest so much into baby stuff and all like, I just didn't know. I was very naive and I was like, okay, let's just, okay, let's do it. I quickly found out that that price $5,000 was complete bullshit. It was a deposit. It was nothing. It would have covered like, it would have literally covered my big toe to be in the hospital. It was, it was, wouldn't have covered anything. And after a couple visits and receiving bills from those couple visits, I realized like, wait, this is already about to be over $5,000 just for like blood work and like talking to a doctor, like just for fucking bullshit. Um, and I quickly realized like I need financial assistance. I need help. I need to get on Medicaid or emergency Medicaid or find out, find some kind of insurance for some kind of coverage. Cause like, I cannot do this. I will literally, they will come and take my house. Like if I don't get some kind of financial assistance for this whole medical situation. So if you are unfamiliar, if you're in the early stages of pregnancy or whatever, get on Medicaid if you can or you can apply for emergency Medicaid, which you can apply for after your like medical event if you, for some reason, don't qualify for Medicaid. So if say if you need to deliver, like you, you're delivering your baby and you get hit with a giant bill, you can apply for emergency Medicaid after the fact. Or some hospitals also offer financial assistance. So they'll give you a copay rate and they'll cover the rest of the rest of your hospital visits. Like Look into your options. Don't think that just because something has, you know, is like a prestigious hospital and people say that it's good that you have to go there. Like that's why I initially went to this hospital Piedmont in the beginning. So I was like, oh, it's a good hospital, whatever. My doctor was a bitch. I had I received terrible care there. They were very negligent. And the place that I'm at now is slightly better. And it's definitely not as like prestigious as Piedmont, I would say, but don't just look at, it's not like you're buying, this sounds stupid, but it's not like you're buying a handbag or like going to a restaurant and trying to read the reviews. It's, it, you can't trust, <coughs> excuse me, you can't trust, um, whatever, like the, the prestige of a hospital, it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily going to find the best fit for you there and your wallet will probably hurt a lot more. So my first advice is you, if you're single, especially, and if you don't have insurance like I was, and I felt like I was really stuck in a corner and I didn't know, like I just panicked. And I just also wanted that assurance of like, can somebody please confirm that this pregnancy like is viable 
or that like I'm okay like you're in such a fragile time in the beginning of your pregnancy where unfortunately there are a lot of things that could be wrong like even though you've got a a positive pregnancy test you know you could be having a fucking ectopic pregnancy which is really scary when the embryo implants in one one of your tubes you could you could have like there could be no heartbeat knock on wood there there's a lot of things that could actually go wrong to make the pregnancy not viable even though you got a, a positive pregnancy test like the year before I got a positive pregnancy test and I turned out to have like a chemical pregnancy slash slash miscarriage a week later a few days later um so I I already knew going in I was like I would like some kind of confirmation because this isn't my first rodeo with this. And I, you know, if something went wrong once, then who's to say it won't go wrong again. So I was just so desperate once I decided to go through with this pregnancy, I was so desperate for like confirmation and assurance. And I was like, okay, if I just go to the quote unquote best place, I'll just pay out of pocket and I'll feel better. Don't do what I did. Get on Medicaid, get financial assistance, get insurance, get something, get whatever works best for you. Research your options, but just know you have options, even if it feels like you don't, because I really felt like I did not have options. And I wish that, like, I I just wish I understood the system a little bit better, Um, especially if you're in the US, you you have options. I I know it, it might not feel like you do because medical anything here is so expensive, but you do have options. And even beyond that, like you can get on, um, what is it called? Uh, when you get like the food vouchers when you're pregnant, oh my God, it's like for a uh, wick wick, you can get on wick and you get, you know, free like produce and milk and stuff like that. I never got on it because, um, I actually sent an application and it was denied. So Oops, I guess I don't know what I did wrong, um, but it's fine. I've I've been okay without it. I applied really late, to be honest. I applied like a month and a half ago, and I think most people apply in the beginning of their pregnancy. But if I had applied in the beginning of my pregnancy, I would have saved a lot of money, like just from grocery. The cost of groceries, like groceries, are expensive. So there's just there's stuff available to you. And I really wish that I had done that from the beginning. Also, on the subject of just medical things, I really wish that I had understood the different tests and things that they, and by they I mean the doctors, the OBGYNs, the nurses and stuff will recommend and really push onto you and really bully you into doing. I really wish I understood the schedule of you know, your prenatal care because I would have felt better equipped to decline certain things and felt more comfortable in declining certain things. Like from the jump, the first test that was offered to me was a, what's called an NIPT test. And it's supposed to test for essentially chromosomal abnormalities. Um, like if your baby might have down syndrome or like a lot of different conditions essentially. And the way that my OBGYN pitched it, she's like, Oh, it's only a hundred extra dollars. That was a lie because my test literally the, the bill that I got for the blood work that I had with the NIPT test was over a thousand dollars. So stupid. But anyway, so already like that was a lie. Um, and I took the test and it was also supposed to tell me the gender and like confirm that, you know, everything was healthy. 
I really wanted to know the gender early on because I really thought I was having a boy. Everyone told me I was having a boy and I had internalized a lot of like kind of anti-women, I think, sentiments from men that I know who say like, oh, fuck that. I don't want a daughter. I never want to have a daughter. I only want to have like a boy, whatever. And for some reason, I just felt like I needed to have a boy. And I know that's really sad to say, but I just wanted to confirm like it's a boy and everything is healthy. And I felt like if I took the test, I was pretty confident that those would, that would, those, those were the results that I was about to receive. I regret taking that test so much. First, because it was expensive. And second, because when you're waiting for your results, you realize like, wait, what if it does come back as positive for some kind of disorder? Then what will you do? And it starts to bring up all of these like ethical, moral questions and instill this kind of sense of panic within you because they tell you even if it is positive, there's a chance that it's wrong. And you hear all these stories about women who get positive tests for, you know, some kind of disorder and it ends up being wrong and their baby is perfectly fine, but you're still in the first trimester. You're right on the brink of the first trimester. When you take the NIPT test, I took it at 10 weeks. That's usually when when people take it. Um, so you can still get an abortion. Well, not, not in Georgia, actually you can't because they have a heartbeat law here, but in some States you can still get an abortion and you kind of just are sitting there waiting for your test results, which usually take about a week. And as soon as I got my results back, first of all, everything was negative and I found out the gender, at, but they tell you the gender like, oh, it's 90% accurate when you have your genetic counseling phone call. So you kind of don't even, for me, I didn't even really trust that the gender was accurate. And then it called into question all the other, the, the accuracy of the other results. And my point is, I really wish I hadn't taken that stupid test. Like it was a waste of time. It was a waste of money and it caused unnecessary panic. And it really set off a light bulb in my mind of like, okay, everything that they're telling me is going to be cheap and easy and I should do it. I don't want to do it. And then I received the rest of my prenatal care schedule. And it was like so many things that I would later go on to decline, I think because of this stupid NIPT test. So I really regret doing it. And my best advice would be to just don't just take your doctor's advice blindly. Honestly, just do your research and just do what you're comfortable with. Because unfortunately now, I feel like a lot of doctors, it it feels to me like they kind of regurgitate the information that they're taught in medical school or they're taught by their, you know, superiors. And when you have questions or if you have any pushback or any hesitancy, they're really not very good with handling that at all. Um, And so you kind of just have to do your own independent research. But anyway, in terms of the other tests and the other vaccines and stuff that you are, they recommend during pregnancy, like the Tdap vaccine, um, which is for tetanus, diphtheria and pertussis. Uh, I didn't get that either. I declined that because, um, I wasn't comfortable with getting that. And I already was vaccinated against tetanus and all that stuff as a child. And I still have antibodies for, from those vaccines. So I was like, why would I get that? And then they start to say, oh, well, it'll pass immunity, immunity to your baby which sounds promising, but then as soon as your baby is born, they start vaccinating your child against the same vaccines because they say there's no immunity for your baby. So kind of weird and something is definitely wrong in their logic there. I don't know which part is inaccurate, but if my baby's already going to start being vaccinated for those things, 
like in the beginning of their lifetime I'm not about to take this vaccine which has the side effect of like your baby's heartbeat stopping in the womb so I passed on that I also passed on there's gonna be probably some people who are like rolling their eyes like you're such an idiot but I'm just being completely honest with you guys there's also a glucose test that you do that's recommended in pregnancy um it's pretty much you drink a a thing of glucola which is what they give to diabetics to test their diabetes it's essentially an extremely sugary drink with 50 grams of glucose in it and some other not the best ingredients but it's whatever like it's not going to kill you it's fine um and then they take your blood an hour after and if you pass or fail if you fail then you have to go back and do another three hour long test which is essentially the same glucola test but over three hours and they take your blood at different intervals and yeah um I didn't do the glucose test I actually wanted to do it in the beginning and because I've started to see different midwives because I hate every one that I've seen I mean I don't hate everyone that I've seen I just I wanted to meet all the different people at the hospital so every one of my appointments has been with like a different a different person for the last little while um nobody told me that I was supposed to do the glucose test the afternoon that I walked in for my like 28th week appointment and they were just like okay you're gonna do the glucose test but before you do the glucose test you're supposed to you know have like a light breakfast um low or no carbs all of that stuff and I didn't prepare for it. So I was like, I don't really want to do this right now. I'm not prepared for it. Um, and I know if I drink this drink, it's going to make me throw up. So I was like, I'll just do it another time. And then the next time I went in, um, they didn't even really ask me about it. And I just was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I know it's, it's, it's beneficial, especially if you've had blood sugar problems in the past, it can tell you about your placenta and how well it's functioning, um, which is like a really important organ in pregnancy, obviously, because it transports nutrients to your baby. However, if you fail and you are diagnosed with gestational diabetes, the only real like thing that you, there's no cure. You kind of just start monitoring your blood sugar and eating a a low glycemic diet, which is like, so you're not going to eat a bunch of white bread and cupcakes and just sugary things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I already do that. I already eat a low glycemic diet and I work out and I'm pretty confident that I don't have diabetes. So it's whatever at this point, like I'm just, it's fine. I'm, I feel comfortable with having omitted that test um but I think it would give some people peace of mind so I would recommend it for some people and on the subject of not being prepared to take the glucose test and not being told that I was going to take it not really being given like any heads up or anything like that um I would honestly just in general and I've done this now but when I first started seeing like the different OBGYNs at my first hospital and then the second one I had really high hopes that you know I would feel like the medical care that I was receiving was like competent and um accommodating to like my personal needs and you know what I wanted for labor and like that I wanted things to go mostly unmedicated I I had pretty high hopes that like I could find somebody who respected that and I would just completely lower my expectations go if if you're if you haven't started your prenatal appointment journey yet I don't know what it is with fucking doctors 
I don't know what it is, but every single one that I have encountered over this, the course of this pregnancy has disappointed me and has shown a lack of like critical thinking skills in my opinion. So now I go in and I just kind of expect, like I, I'm grateful that they're there and I'm hopeful that my labor is easy and I don't need them to intervene any crazy amount. And if I do, then I mean, it's really just in God's hands. I don't know what I can do about that. But in terms of like just prenatal care and those appointments, I go in expecting nothing now. Like for example, my last appointment was with this midwife. This was last week. Um, and I had to go get my antibiotics and I was talking to this midwife and she's like, okay, yeah. And I expressed my hesitancy to take the antibiotics because once when I had pneumonia years ago, um, I was prescribed a different type of antibiotic. There's like different, you know, categories of antibiotics, whatever. Um, and they have different mechanisms of action, but I was prescribed a different type and it made me hallucinate and it was really scary And I felt like I was losing my mind, which, you know, all side effects are scary, but hallucinating is, that was really concerning. And my mom had to take me back to the hospital because I was going crazy. So they took me off of it. They gave me some other drugs. Um, And ever since that point, I've just been really scared to take something like that again, because I don't want to be alone in my house fucking having hallucinations (laughs) while I'm pregnant. Like that is scary to me. So I expressed that to her and I was like, you know, is there anything else I can do? Um, can you like just kind of wanting some assurance that that wasn't going to happen this time around? And she pretty much straight up and I'm not using a different word. She used this word exactly. She was like, if you don't take the antibiotics, you're like essentially disgusting. The disease is disgusting. Your baby will be born and it will be disgusting just take the antibiotics. She literally called me disgusting and I'm not exaggerating. I'm not making that up. And event and right after I was like, okay, thanks for calling me disgusting while I'm, you know, my blood pressure is so high that I just set off an alarm on the blood pressure machine. Like that's not really, it's not helpful. And she tried to backtrack. She's like, oh, I don't mean you're disgusting. I mean, you know, the, the illness is, and you should just cure it. But I kind of felt like the damage had been done. And frankly, any professional medical provider, you shouldn't call your patients disgusting. And even you, no matter what disease they had, I don't care if I have like AIDS, you shouldn't call somebody disgusting. And I didn't even have anything that serious. I had to take like one day's worth of antibiotics and I was fine. So anyway, um, that was really disappointing. And I have just learned to lower my expectations tenfold on the other hand, on on the other side of this, going to something like a birthing center and somewhere that is less medically, you know, I guess not medically inclined, but like less kind of regimented in hospital protocol, um, I think would be great. My, uh, insurance, however, doesn't cover birthing centers. So because I can't pay out of pocket, um, I am just sticking with this hospital, However, there's other options too, just depending on your coverage and your insurance and what your like money situation is. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so just lower your fucking expectations when it comes to receiving like care 
it's kind of a double-edged sword because it's like on the one hand you know it's nice to go in and get an ultrasound and you know have that assurance that everything is going well and then on the other hand it's like I kind of it's just not a pleasant experience you know from almost every part of it it's it's not a pleasant experience and it's a very expensive experience um even if you do have insurance or medical coverage like I still have to copay every time uh it's my copay is low now they just raised it but it's still just like it it sucks so that part I guess just be prepared and maybe it's just my experience maybe your experience will be better um, but my personal experience was it has been that. So I'm I'm praying that labor is slightly better. However, my friend just gave birth in the same hospital that I'm about to give birth in, and she says that it was like a prison, and they literally put an ankle monitor on your baby. Um, and if you left, if you were to leave with your baby outside of the hospital premises, the ankle monitor would go off, and they would like send the guards after you. Um, so that will be fun. And they also, as soon as your baby is born there's a bunch of, you know, vaccines and things that they give to your baby. Um, one that is mandated apparently by the hospital is vitamin K, which isn't actually a vaccine. It's a vitamin infusion, but there's still risks with it. It's complicated. We don't need to go into it. Some baby boys should absolutely have it if they're being circumcised, uh, at birth. However, vitamin K, what it does is it encourages blood clotting. So, if you're not getting circumcised or if you're having a baby girl, it's not as necessary. Um, but doctors will try to scare you and tell you like, Oh, what if you get in a car crash on your way home and your baby bleeds out and they don't, they can't clot their own blood. You need the vitamin K shot. And those types of scenarios, um, I think are really manipulative for them to say something like that at such a sensitive time as like, you just had a baby. Um, but for a lot of hospitals, it's like hospital protocol and whatever. So, their whole approach seems very heavy handed and I'm not looking forward to it, but I am, I I'm having wishful thinking that it will be fine and I'm just going to be, you know, as nice as I can be in what's probably going to be a lot of pain and just hope that it's going to be okay. And they don't keep me too long. My friend was in there for over a week, which is crazy, but she had other issues going on. Um, but I'm just, I'm just going to pray that it's going to be better for labor. Uh, but just know going into it that, it's not always the best doctors disappoint you sometimes. And that's just, maybe I'm picky. I'm probably a little picky, but that is my experience. Even, and this is the last thing I'll say on this subject, even the sonographers, the, the people that do the ultrasounds, there's this, there was this one lady, I've, I've had two ultrasounds with her. Like, something as simple as an ultrasound, right? It should be enjoyable. You get to see your baby. You get to make sure everything is good. You get to see how much they've grown. You get to hear the heartbeat. It should be the best time of your pregnancy. Um, at my hospital, they don't let me film when I get ultrasounds done because it's against hospital protocol. So already I'm like, this sucks. But also ultrasounds became, you know, more common. They started to be introduced in the 1990s. So it's been about 30 years of using this technology. In those 30 years, the wavelengths that are deployed to do a pregnancy ultrasound have increased like seven times. They've increased by a lot. Ultrasound machines now are much stronger than they were in the 90s. And the truth is 
that we do not have the long-term medical research to confirm that these super intense, strong wavelengths and frequencies essentially do no harm. We don't have the techn- we don't have the long-term studies to confirm it. There are some studies that have been done like in rats and animals that say, okay, yeah, these, this can cause hearing loss. This can cause cancer at like, um, extreme exposure, you know, this can cause some side effects at extreme exposures, but in an ultrasound, you're not getting that much exposure. So you should be fine, but there's no long-term studies. And for me personally, I like to proceed with caution with these types of things. Um, so I remember one of my first ultrasounds at this hospital, I was like, can you just be, you know, you don't have to hang out there too long. Like you can just make sure everything is good. Um, but I just, I don't want the, the wand like just stuck in one place for a long time. Cause what it essentially does is like heat the tissues, um, so that you can actually see your baby. And then it is really loud for the infant inside of your stomach or the fetus, I guess I should say, because people will get mad when I call an unborn child a baby some people get really mad at that so the fetus uh anyway I was like can you just you can just like just be efficient and you know you don't have to hang out there too long um I just want to make sure everything's good and she starts like giving me this lecture and then almost I think on purpose like held the wand on my stomach for like a good three to five minutes in one place I I swear I almost felt it like heating up it probably wasn't but like by, I think it was like by the baby's head and I, I like moved cause I just felt bad. I know I don't know actually what's going on in there. Maybe it's, you know, the baby is hearing beautiful classical music while the ultrasound wand is, is going off. But I just have a feeling it's not that. And it's like, she, this woman just held it there for so long. And it's like, bruh, that's literally the one thing that I asked. Can you please just, you know, not do that. And it just, yeah, it was disappointing. And it's just, that's just what, you know, medical experiences are for me anyways. I hope if you are about to go on that journey, I hope that you have a better experience, but that's what I have experienced. Anyway, enough about that. I also want to talk about things that actually have helped me um, because I have had a relatively smooth sailing pregnancy. And I pray if I ever have a baby again, which I honestly want to, but I only want to do it with somebody that is my husband or is like about to become my husband or is just locked in with me for life. But ideally I want to do it only with my husband. Nobody is about to fucking baby mama me twice. I am not having no more kids if I'm not married, period. I wish that I had had that clarity before in a sense, but at the same time, I always thought that that would be my fate and, uh, that's not how it happened. Um, and now I've cornered myself into this weird place where it's like, well, Claudia, don't you believe in abortion? I do believe in abortion. And I've talked about this before. I do believe in abortion. It's different for every single person. I don't want to say anything crazy on this show that maybe my child will one day listen to, but I literally, because I was pressured into it and because I was in such shock that I was even pregnant, I literally made an appointment at the abortion clinic and I went and they confirmed the pregnancy and they were like, okay, bet you have to wait three weeks to get an abortion because it's not big enough yet. And I was like, okay, bet. And I walked out and I didn't make the appointment while I was there because I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And then I never made the appointment um, because I just couldn't do it me personally, but that's because I'm 30 years old. I have a house. I have a little bit of money. I have 
a little bit of a career. I have ways to make money. I will always have writing. I wanted a kid, not like this, but I wanted a kid. And honestly, I would have felt like a coward if I got an abortion. And I know that I would have regretted it for the rest of my life. Even if the next day, like I found my husband and everything was perfect, which wasn't going to happen. I don't think, but like for me personally, I had to sit with the decision of like, would you rather regret the abortion that you get when this is literally something that you kind of prayed for, just not like this, or would you rather take a leap of faith and pray that it's all going to work out in the end? Like having a child is not the end of your life. Having a kid isn't, doesn't mean that you can't date. It doesn't mean you can't work. It doesn't mean any of those things. You can still do all of those things. It's going to be more difficult and you're going to have to find somebody who accepts you and your child. But I had to really, really sit with that choice. And ultimately I just would have felt like a coward if I had terminated the pregnancy. So how did I get on this subject? Um, I was supposed to be talking about things that have helped. So things that have helped from the beginning, there's different stages, obviously of pregnancy, I guess. So things that helped me in the beginning are not what helped me anymore, but I guess I'll start from the beginning. I really am like, how the fuck did I just get on that subject? I feel like there was, I was talking about something, but now I forget. Anyway, I'm just going to blame it on pregnancy brain. From the beginning, I am going to sound like an asshole, but I didn't have a lot of nausea. That was another reason why I thought I was having a boy, because they always tell you when you're having a boy, you don't have a lot of nausea, which is a lie, because I know a lot of my friends have had boys recently and they all had a lot of nausea. So I think it's just up to everybody's body is different. Every pregnancy is different. Oh, yeah. I got on the subject because I said I'm never going to have a kid again unless I'm married. Um, This is these are all things that I would do if I have a kid again because they really have helped me. So if you do feel nauseous in the beginning of your pregnancy, which I did, I just didn't have it that bad. I never threw up and it was only for like maybe an hour in the morning. It was literal morning sickness. It wasn't like some people get quote unquote morning sickness throughout the day or really bad at night or it never goes away, which is sounds awful. Or you actually do end up throwing up or you throw up a lot. One thing that helped me and I know because I didn't get it that bad, I probably shouldn't even speak on this, but one thing that really did help me was vitamin B12. You can find it in animal products. Eggs have a lot of B12. So I found, I know if you're nauseous, eating eggs is probably the last thing you want to do. But when I could force myself to eat eggs in the morning, it really did help the nausea. And if I couldn't eat eggs, taking a B12 supplement, like just a little pill, really helps. And maybe because I was taking B12 and I was eating eggs and I was like getting B12 in my prenatal, maybe that's what made it better. I don't know. But I really do think that vitamin B12 and was I taking B6 also? Look into B6, but vitamin B12, I promise you it is super helpful if you're feeling nauseous. I think also because I was really fit before I got pregnant, I was like probably in the best shape that I've been in since I was 15, honestly. I didn't even realize how good shape I was in until I look back now at pictures. Like I was doing 
like hot yoga and saunas almost every day. I was working at the club. So I was like dancing. Like that's a fucking workout. If you're dancing for like seven to eight hours, which I was, um, in heels. And it's not even like you're just dancing like, Ooh, it's like, you're constantly like, you're, you're kind of in a squatting position, like grinding, like it sounds disgusting to, to narrate, but it's a workout on your legs and your abs a hundred percent. Um, and on top of that, I was still working out and I was just like, I think I was still going through, you know, this, I was at the, the, the tail end of my 2021 heartbreak. Um, and so I, I lost some weight from that. So I was just like physically in a good place. And when I found out that I was pregnant, I immediately decided I was like, I want to keep I, like, I, I knew I couldn't keep going for saunas or hot yoga and or working. I could have worked cause I wasn't showing, but I didn't want to because I just cannot do that sober. Um, I have to drink and I just didn't want to be in that environment immediately. As soon as I found out I was pregnant and I was going to continue with it, something in me, like the door closed for the strip club. And I was like, I can't, like, I cannot, I'm not. So even though I couldn't do a lot of the physical activity that I had been doing in the past, immediately I knew I was like, I want to stay in shape, not necessarily because I wanted to be skinny. I didn't even really know how my body was going to change. I was very naive to like what it was going to look like. And I feel like as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I was like, where's my bump? Like, why isn't it here? I was expecting to like find out you're pregnant. And then like three days later, like a couple weeks later, you wake up with a bump and you're just like a cute pregnant lady. That is, <laughs> that was so stupid, but that is not, that is not how it works um, at all. But I guess partially because I was bored and I knew that I didn't want to completely let myself go. I decided I was like, I'm going to just stay active throughout this pregnancy. Like if nothing else, I'm going to try and walk 10,000 steps a day. I'm going to do Pilates. I'm going to do yoga. There's like a tennis court near my house. I was like, maybe I'll try and play tennis. Um, it was also the spring. It was the beginning of the summer. And this was a hot ass summer that we had in the South. Like it was hot. It was like over hundred degrees often, um, super, super hot. And this is probably not healthy, but because I started working out, you know, in the beginning of the summer, the spring outside, and I kind of just continued to do that throughout the summer, I would go on long ass walks and play tennis and even run sometimes if I felt like before I got big, when I felt like I could still run. Um, not that I'm really that big now, but like it's a, there's more weight and pressure, like on my stomach kind of. So it feels really weird to run. But before I would like go work out in like the hundred degree heat. And I, I know that's probably not healthy, but I felt fine doing it. And I think it actually really, really helped my pregnancy, like just being super consistent with working out. And I know that's not the, that's like annoying advice, but honestly it helped. Like, yes, my blood pressure was really high at my last appointment, but that's from anxiety. It wasn't a physical thing. Um, throughout my pregnancy, like I wasn't diagnosed with preeclampsia or anything like that. I didn't have any complications. And I think it's because my body was in a really good place. Well, you know, sometimes things are out of your control, but my body was in a really good place before I got pregnant. And I made a, a pretty big effort to maintain that while I was pregnant, knowing that like I've gained 
so far I've gained 25 pounds and I'm 32 weeks pregnant. So you're apparently you're supposed to gain between like 20 to 35, depending on your weight. My doctor told me initially, she's like, Oh, you can gain 50. But I was like, I don't want to gain fucking 50 pounds. Like the baby's only like seven pounds. So, and then there's, you know, your placenta and extra blood and fluids and stuff. But I was like, if I gain 50 pounds, like if it's out of my control, it's out of my control. But if it's within my control and I can be healthy, I don't really want to do that because then it's just going to be a pain in the ass to lose, which I, cause I want to look like myself again, like my old self, you know, after I have the baby. So I was like, I don't want to gain 50 pounds, but anyway, please don't call me like body negative or like fat shaming. Maybe I am body negative, but I'm only body negative to me. I'm not body negative to other people. It's just me. And I've struggled with like eating disorders and body image issues for my entire life. So I'm not even coming from a place of being healthy with this shit. I acknowledge that, but I'm just telling you what I did. And even within the confines of working out while pregnant, I will be completely honest. I didn't walk. I haven't walked every day. I haven't done like yoga and Pilates every day. In fact, lately I've gotten way worse with it because I've been a lot more tired. Um, and I haven't hit 10,000 steps a day. And some days I've literally just too tired to do it. Like some days I'm just like, I we're taking a break and I see the difference and it's really hard for me to let it go. Like I look at my legs and I'm like, Oh God, my legs look fatter. And it's like, bitch, you're 32 weeks pregnant. Like it's fine. It's literally fine. And it's not like, it's not that bad and you can snap back, but I'm still learning how to afford myself some grace with that. Even like last week, um, or this past weekend, I don't remember when this guy reached out to me who, this is so fucked up, but I'm going to just share this story with you guys. Cause whatever. Um, this guy reached out to me who I've been kind of like on and off again with for not really, like, <sighs> sorry. Some people would say he's, he'd probably be like, Oh no, we just like, we're just fucking or whatever. I don't know what he would say to describe it. We're friends, um, who I think for me, like I have always had feelings for him, but I don't know if he realizes that. And for me, even if I'm fucking somebody consistently, like I have feelings for you, I'm sorry. I'm not just like, I don't just fuck people like that just like for two years on and off because I'm like, ah, whatever. Like maybe guys do that. I don't do that. So, you know, maybe you call it a situationship we're friends, whatever. Anyway, he reached out to me and he was like, I mess, I, I mentioned, mentioned this on the last episode, but he was just like, I miss you. Like, I want to see you, whatever. And obviously he knows I'm pregnant. Um, and obviously I know I'm pregnant, so I know my body looks different than it would normally look, but I was under the impression that I was actually going to go and see him. And so for like pretty much all of last week, I was like super careful. About, this is so fucked up you guys. And I don't, I'm not saying I don't recommend this. I'm just telling you my personal flawed human experience. But last week I was like, oh, I'm going to go see blank. So I should, you know, lose weight. <laughs> Essentially, I was like, I'm going to be really careful about what I'm eating and I don't want to be bloated. And it's like, bitch, you're pregnant. It doesn't matter if you're a little bit bloated. Like nobody is really probably even going to notice except you. And like, you're already pregnant. So what are you talking about? You want to lose weight and you should, I shouldn't even be trying to lose weight in my pregnancy. Like you, I'm supposed to be gaining weight, you know, but I just caught myself being like, Oh, I want to be skinny and like lose weight. 
and like eating certain things that I would like kind of implementing a diet that I probably would have implemented before I was pregnant. You know, if you're about to go on vacation or something like that. And I had to catch myself and I was like, this is really toxic and this is like really harmful hopefully not for my baby, but just like for everything involved in this situation, like what am I doing right now? Like literally what am I doing? So I realized that while I have stayed, you know, quote unquote fit, I haven't done it. I've been healthy and I eat like three meals a day and I take my vitamins and I drink a lot of water and I work out. However, my mental headspace in, in approaching that pregnancy fitness journey, I will admit hasn't always been the healthiest. And I think if you can go through this with more acceptance that your body will change and more acceptance that you can't necessarily control how your body will change. Like there's certain things that happen in pregnancy sometimes that are really beyond your control. Like your feet get bigger or like your nose gets bigger, like certain shit like that. It's like, it doesn't matter if you like drink green tea and bone broth or whatever and like walk 10,000 steps a day that's just gonna happen it's beyond your control so if I could learn to let go of you know things that are out of my control a little bit more I think I would have had a more enjoyable pregnancy and I would recommend that working on that if you struggle with body image issues like I do like I, I would just, just recommend being conscious of that and working on that. Um, because ultimately, and I've had this for a majority of my pregnancy, like this impending sense of doom about how I look and what my life is going to look like and money and the future, that impending sense of doom that you feel throughout a life change as drastic as pregnancy will not help you. It will only just make things more difficult. Like it's important to really feel out your emotions to their very ends and let them pass through you. But ruminating on that like sense of doom of like, Oh, I'm getting fat. Oh, I look this way. Oh God, I'm letting myself go. Um, is not, it's, it's not productive. It's not helpful. And I don't think I have let myself go, but like that fear of, Oh God, I don't want people to see me is a real thing and you have to let go of it a little bit because it's like you're pregnant it's different but if I could give any advice in terms of working out because people have asked me like oh how did you stay fit walking squats which help your pelvic floor also I need to get better at that because I've been stopping lately because it's like the weight for my stomach it's like more pressure on my knees and shit but in the beginning I was really good with doing squats I would do like at least 50 a day because um, it helps your pelvic floor also. Like I said, so walking, squats, light weights. I literally have two pound weights that I use and I just do like basic arm exercises. And a friend of mine was like two pounds, but I was like, you don't even work out. You don't even do any weights. So like actually two pound weights, doing repetitive mo- movements with two pound weights or even going for a walk, holding your two pound weights in pregnancy is really helpful. Like you don't have, I don't want to, I don't need to be benching 300 pounds. I'm straight, but the slight, um, just resistance is really helpful. You can do five pounds, whatever, but I honestly literally found I've is two pounds is fine. I just do repetitive motions or I walk with them and, uh, I'm good to go. Also a birthing ball, which is just a yoga ball. I bounce on it. I stretch on it. Um, 
I bounced on it because my baby was breech for a certain point and now it's head down. I hope it's still head down. Baby slip all the time, but get one, use it to stretch, use it to stretch out your back, use it to, there's so many different exercises you can do with them. Um, I don't even exercise on it like necessarily. I just kind of stretch with it and sit on it and like, it kind of helps me open my hips. I feel so really important, um, in my opinion and just a basic yoga mat, where, you know, on days where I don't have the energy to go for a walk, I will try and just do some stretches or some light resistance work and it's better than nothing. And usually after I go on my walks, cause I get really tired after now I'll come home and like chug water and then just like do some stretches. And if I have the energy, some light resistance stuff, but I try to walk like five to six times a week, usually six. Sometimes if I'm good, I'll do seven days a week, but it's pro- usually not seven, um, five to six days a week. And, uh, I try to do some stretching and resistance work three to four times a week, sometimes more, but it doesn't always happen. And honestly, the hardest part of being active while pregnant for me personally has been the repetition of the activities. Like I'm so bored with my walking path now. I'm so bored with that tennis court that I would go to. I'm so bored with like the YouTube workouts. It almost feels like another version of quarantine, like in, you know, spring of 2020 when we were all locked in our homes. Like I personally was doing a lot of YouTube workouts and stuff like that. And this literally feels like that. And there are ways to go around that. You know, I could have enrolled in a pregnancy fitness class or prenatal yoga or whatever, And I was going to, but ultimately it felt like an unnecessary expense for me personally. Um, And just an unnecessary stress of like, okay, I'm going to have to drive myself there. I'm going to have to like, it was like a, it felt to me like an unnecessary expense, but I guess if you want some diversity in your workout routine, then that could be really helpful. Um, The hardest part for me has been the repetition. Like even today, it is one o'clock now in the afternoon and I still have to go on my walk and I'm like, I have to go on the same fucking walk. But obviously there's things you can do to circumvent that. Maybe if you live in a beautiful city, then your walks are beautiful. I could also drive to a new part of town and walk. But ultimately for me, I'm like, I don't care where I'm walking. I just want to get it in and get it over with. So yeah, that's really what I've done. Nothing crazy, nothing groundbreaking. I have stopped running because I feel like the weight on my stomach, like on the bottom is it's just uncomfortable and it feels weird. Um, so I've stopped doing that. I've really stopped doing like any big kind of jumping motions. Uh, but walking has saved my ass and I plan on, I'm going to keep walking until I go into labor, like almost every day, whenever I can, I, I know it's boring but it is very helpful and I highly, highly, highly recommend it as your go-to workout in pregnancy, especially if you're like me and you love like saunas and hot yoga and all of these other things that are not really allowed in pregnancy because you can't heat your like basal body temperature that high. Um, I kind of felt like I went through a period of withdrawal where I couldn't, I love like going into a hot room and just like stretching and sweating like a lot. Like that's why I love like an infrared sauna And I definitely have felt like a withdrawal from that kind of intense detoxification feeling of going into an infrared sauna and then a really cold shower and the back and forth and you get out and you just feel like you've released all of these toxins. Um, 
I have really, really, really missed that. But the exercises that I've been able to still do and the sweat that I've still been able to work up, it's not every day, but when I can, it does help a little bit. So hopefully that is helpful to somebody. I know people who are athletes. I don't know them personally, but I've seen athletes who like literally still run, you know, five miles in their third trimester. I'm not that active and I can't do that. But some people go, some people, you know, they do everything. There's just certain workouts that you can't do mainly things that heat your body temperature up too much. Um, which is the stuff that I like, but there's just certain things you can't do in pregnancy. So yeah, I've also heard swimming. I've also heard swimming can be great. I don't have a pool near me. Um, and that also seemed like too complicated to find a pool or whatever, but I think swimming would be really great. The last time I was able to swim when I was in Florida a few months ago for my little mini pregnancy vacation, um, that was really, really nice. And I guess actually, no, I swam a couple other times this summer, but yeah, swimming is also great. I just, if you have a pool, amazing. Also, I want to quickly touch on food and just nutrition in general. Obviously I'm a big food person that always sounds so dumb to say it feels so dumb to say but like you know I wrote about food for a long time I've been into food everybody needs to eat everybody's into food it's not rocket science but I have not food I think is has been more than the exercise food has been the thing that has allowed me to mostly stay in relative shape and I think after I have the baby I don't think it's gonna be that hard for me to like go back into some version of the the physique that I had before. I, I'm not going to look the same. I've accepted that. I think after you have a baby, you're never going to look the same. But the reason I haven't gained as much weight, even though 25 pounds might sound like a lot to you guys, it's actually not that much um, in pregnancy for being in your third trimester. It's, it's normal. Uh, Food has been the one thing that like I've really I haven't been the I haven't been the pregnant lady who's like I'm just going to eat whatever I want. Because whatever I want is not healthy and you don't need to eat everything in sight when you're pregnant. Like that stereotype of you're eating for two is wrong you need an an average of about 3 to 400 extra calories a day in your third trimester and even that number i raise my eyebrows at but about that um but before then you don't really need that many extra calories you need to really just focus on like nutrient density so for me one thing that i've really changed that i never did before is like i've been craving it I've started drinking milk, like just straight up cow's milk. I never used to drink milk before. Even as a child, I never liked it. I just like, not even that I thought it was gross, but like, I just never was like a milk drinker. The only way I would drink milk as a kid was like, if somebody gave me cookies and I would have like a sip and throughout all of my teen years, adulthood, whatever, I just never like gravitated to milk. I just didn't get why people liked that. In this pregnancy, I have been craving milk so much, especially lately. And I don't know if it's the calcium or the iodine in milk. I don't know what it is, but I haven't really like, I haven't, I don't know. Once in a while, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of craving McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or something like that. Maybe like literally once a month, but I'm not treating food like entertainment throughout this pregnancy because the way I see it, 
labor is a fucking marathon and I don't want to go into that marathon feeling physically shittier than I've ever felt. I already feel physically shittier than I've really felt in a long time or ever felt because I'm pregnant and because like you feel heavier, you feel more tired. So I would like to negate how shitty I feel with the fact that, you know, I don't want to add unnecessary weight and unnecessary like blood pressure problems and blood sugar problems with allowing myself to eat whatever I want. You know what I mean? Like it's not worth it to me. And maybe that's a personal choice. And if you want to have a pregnancy where it's like, you just let yourself eat a bunch of ice cream and a bunch of, I actually don't even think ice cream is that bad for you. I think that's one of my toxic traits. I feel like ice cream is low key, not that bad for you. Cause it's just like, full fat dairy with some sugar. The sugar is not great, but it's definitely not the worst dessert out there. Um, but no, if you want to just like, you know, go eat McFlurries and Big Macs and like fried chicken and I don't I can't even think of unhealthy foods, but you get what I'm saying. Um, because that's what you feel like, then that's your choice. And I think that would be a really fun pregnancy. However, realistically, like I really haven't changed my diet that much. I've just, focused on every day I try to get in a good amount of protein. Um, I don't want to, I don't necessarily focus on like the grams of protein. I know there's some bodybuilders and some like pregnant nutritionists and stuff who are like, you need at least hundred grams of protein or, you know, 150 grams or whatever. I don't really count the grams of it, but I always try and get like a good source of animal protein in every day, whether that's like steak or salmon or chicken when I can stomach it because chicken has seemed really nasty to me on and off throughout my pregnancy. It's the one thing that I'm like, it's really hit or miss. It's super weird. Um, or eggs. I always try to eat two eggs every day, not only because of the protein, but because of the choline, which is really good for brain development. Eggs are probably the biggest, my biggest food recommendation throughout pregnancy. It'll help with nausea. It helps with your baby's brain development. It helps curb your appetite because of the protein and the fat and make sure you're getting the yolk, like get good eggs and eat the yolk two to three eggs every day in pregnancy. That might sound crazy, but that's literally like, that is my top tier. That's my main food recommendation. But yeah, I just try to eat like a good amount of animal protein every day. I could never do pregnancy vegan or vegetarian. Absolutely not. Um, and I think I actually would have gained a lot more weight if I had attempted to do a vegan or vegetarian pregnancy because you'd just be eating so much more carbs. But other than that, I just try and get like the basic nutrients in that I know are beneficial to babies. So like calcium, um, I take a calcium supplement some days when I remember to take it and I know I haven't been having a lot of milk or yogurt, a lot of, I eat a lot of yogurt, a lot of cheese, um, a good amount of fruit, some vegetables, but honestly getting vegetables in every day is like kind of exhausting and I'm really not that great with it, but I try and always have like some greens, just like a handful of greens, avocado, which I guess is technically a fruit. Uh, I was really craving tomatoes and one type of vegetable category that I think is really important, um, is anything with beta beta carotene. So like sweet potatoes or carrots, essentially like it's the flavonoid. I think that, I think it's a flavonoid. Um, it's the thing that gives fruits and vegetables their like orange color and it really helps with nerve development and eyesight development and stuff like that. So I just keep like a bag of baby carrots in my fridge, um, and just snack on those when I don't have the energy to like bake sweet potatoes and make like a 
you know, balanced meal, which is very often that I don't have the energy to do that. But beta, beta carotene, I don't know how to say it, super important. Um, and besides that, I just kind of try and like buy whatever seems to make the most sense when I'm at the grocery store in terms of vegetables. Like some days it'll be broccoli, I don't know, onions, I guess. Onions are good for you. Actually, I know it sounds like a joke to just eat onions, but onions are actually really good for you. Onions and garlic are, are really great for you. Um, and they're like antibacterial as well, but yeah, I haven't really been focusing on vegetables as much. Like I just try to eat eat some every day. It varies what it is, but honestly getting enough animal protein, getting enough choline from eggs, getting enough calcium, getting enough iron. So a lot of meat, a lot of beef. And because a lot of iron supplements aren't necessarily that easily absorbed by your body, um, and also can like fuck you up. Like they make a lot of people constipated. Sorry if that's TMI, but like they kind of just wreak havoc on your digestive system. Iron supplements do. A lot of prenatals already come with like added iron, um, which I don't like how much iron they put in that shit because it just completely messes you up and you already feel bloated from pregnancy and you're going to take these iron supplements that are just going to make you way more bloated. Like, no, no, thank you. Um, I would rather just eat meat and a really good way to boost your iron absorption. If you're eating something like a steak or something that's rich in iron is to have some vitamin C with it. Taking vitamin C supplements in pregnancy is not recommended. Apparently like high levels of vitamin C can cause like birth defects and stuff, which is a little bit concerning. So I'm somebody that normally takes vitamin C supplements like on and off throughout, especially in the winter. Um, I just, do it doesn't cause much harm but I've stopped taking vitamin c supplements because I've heard about the birth defect thing and instead I will literally just have like a cup of orange juice or an orange or what else has vitamin c that's pretty much it actually I always have orange juice in the fridge now because I crave it so I will have like a cup of orange juice with my dinner like a child and it boosts your vitamin c absorb or your iron absorption and Sometimes I think if you start focusing too much on like food combining and what foods you should eat with other foods to help increase absorption, make them healthier, I think it can be kind of a, a dangerous, not dangerous, but it's like a slippery slope to fall down where now you're hyper fixated on what you should and shouldn't eat together. And like, it starts to even negate the health benefits of certain foods. Like if you're, you know, you think, oh, I can't eat broccoli with rice. So like I shouldn't ever eat, like it, it's, it's too much. And I don't like people who are like food combining is super important. I don't. I don't buy it like that, but in pregnancy, because iron absorption is so important and you need so much more iron and so many people end up being anemic and it's part of the reason why we feel so tired. It's such an important nutrient to get that I do think it's important to just be aware of vitamin C increases your absorption and also calcium and wheat decrease iron absorption. So if you get like a cheeseburger, even if it's a beautiful grass-fed organic beef patty, if you put some cheese on there and the bun, you're actually decreasing your iron absorption by a good amount. So it's better to have just like a steak or a regular burger or like a lettuce-wrapped burger with some vitamin C and then have the wheat and the dairy a couple hours after or a couple hours before. Like don't take a calcium supplement or don't have a glass of milk with a steak or a burger because calcium interferes with iron absorption. So that's something that I've been more aware of. And I do think it's helped me because I don't, I haven't become anemic in this whole time, knock on wood. 
Um, and I haven't taken iron supplements. My prenatal has a really low dose of iron. It has, I think like six milligrams or something. I, I can't remember, but it's only like it, 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 uh, fleshes out to being about 20% of your daily iron needs, which is really low compared. It's much lower than most prenatals that have a hundred percent of your daily iron. Um, just because I don't like taking iron supplements again, cause it messes me up and I feel weird when I'm on them. So yeah, that's something that I think is super important. I almost, there's like a trendy diet going around right now of like eating mostly steak and fruit. I always see it on TikTok and Instagram and people just have these like smorgasbords for lunch of like sliced up strip loin steak with some flaky sea salt and like a bunch of like berries and mango on the side. And it looks so delicious and like some avocado. And I'm like, maybe I should just like eat like that. But ultimately I, it's a little bit unrealistic for me to eat like that every day. Um, and also expensive to eat like that every day. Imagine like having to go get like a full pack of organic blueberries and strawberries and steak and avocado, like every single day. That's, it's literally expensive. Um, but I have been more in line with, I feel like that type of diet where it's like fruit, meat, good fats, and a little bit of vegetables. Um, and we, when you feel like it, because the other thing is like, don't, as much as I might sound crazy and I hope this advice doesn't come across as toxic. I have like, I, I eat bread every day. Like I have sourdough. I put fried eggs on sourdough. Um, I have like bagels. I don't know. I have noodles. I make pasta, like regular pasta, chickpea pasta, any kind. Uh, I've been making like sushi. I make rice bowls. Like you do need wheat and you do need carbs in pregnancy going full, like paleo or something like that. Um, feels really bizarre to me at a time like this where you it feels better to have more energy and it feels better to have carbs. So don't go crazy with it. But I do think that getting enough protein and enough good fat every day has helped me like not go crazy with the bad cravings and like sugar cravings and stuff like that. So yeah, I probably said too much on this subject, but that's really what I've done in terms of diet, eggs, meat, fruits and vegetables, a lot of calcium, a lot of milk, a lot of yogurt and some wheat and fun things because honestly you kind of need it both mentally and physically when when you feel like it. And also just to circle back quickly on the subject of doctors and OBGYNs when it comes to nutrition, this shocked me. When doctors are in med school, they only get OBGYNs, whatever. They only get like two or three hours of nutritional training. So they are very ill-equipped to actually know what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to nutrition. And I realized this very quickly. One of my first OBGYNs told me to stop eating fish, which is really dumb advice. Like, sorry, it is. There's some fish that you should absolutely avoid, like anything high in mercury. So tuna, especially like bigger tunas, like, I don't know, bluefin tuna and stuff like that. Um, mackerel, (coughs) I don't know. I can't even think of fishes that are high in mercury, but there are certain, certain fish, you know, don't eat it every day, but you can eat salmon. You can eat shrimp. I mean, people even eat tuna while they're pregnant. I personally haven't, but the advice just don't eat fish or like something like that just is so dumb to me. 
So take their nutritional advice with a grain of salt. Another doctor told me that I couldn't have coffee, which, or not so that I couldn't have it, but she was like shocked that I was drinking coffee. Um, and having coffee is fine. You can have, the recommendation is under 200 milligrams of caffeine a day. A cup of coffee has usually between 100 220, maybe 70 milligrams. If it's like weaker, it has milk in it. But I usually have like one to two cups of coffee a day and I've been fine throughout the pregnancy doing that. Um, but I drank coffee before, so I wouldn't introduce coffee into your routine if you never drank coffee before. Um, but I still drink it and it's fine. And yeah, they have, they, they will give you a, a long list of recommendations. The doctors will give you about things you can, can and cannot eat. And all of those recommendations I personally take with a large grain of salt because internationally people do things very differently in their pregnancies. Like in Japan, for example, it is encouraged for women to eat sushi um, and to eat like raw salmon and sashimi and stuff like that because of the beneficial omega-3s and DHA, fatty acids and all of that stuff in fish. And here, the first thing they tell you is like, no sushi, None of that. And I think it's more a commentary and a reflection on our personal, our own food supply in America or North America or the Western world, um, where we just have like more diseases in our food because we have factory farming and just lower quality standards in some ways. And also we're just more skeptical when it comes to like foodborne illness it's a complicated beast to unpack our obsession with foodborne illness in the Western world. However, I personally haven't eaten sushi because I was scared away from it. And also in Atlanta, um, there's no really good sushi, but if I lived somewhere like Vancouver, like the West coast or Japan, I probably would eat it, especially from a place that I trusted. It's really just depends on the type of fish and the place and whatever. Another thing that they always tell you to avoid is like cold cuts, um, like, cold cut sandwiches because they can contain listeria. When you look at the studies, there's actually more cases of listeria outbreaks in produce, which is crazy, like salad and stuff like that. Um, but still I have avoided cold cuts like in their original form. Sometimes I'll buy them cause I'm craving them and I'll just like heat them up and then put them in a sandwich or put them like in an omelet or something like that. Um, because heat kills listeria. If you just heat them at a certain temperature for like two minutes, you'll be fine. Also like most, it's a very low percent of cold cuts that have listeria, but just for peace of mind, I heat them now when I decide to eat them. But yeah, so just take your doctor's nutritional advice. I personally took it with a grain of salt because there's just so much variation country to country and they don't even like, there's better nutrition advice from nutritionists, in my opinion, when it comes to prenatal nutrition. But really quick also, Something that's super important to me and that I think has, you know, helped keep me relatively healthy throughout this pregnancy because certain nutrient deficiencies can lead to preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure in pregnancy. I know I had high blood pressure my last visit, but I promise you I don't have preeclampsia. Um, certain nutrient deficiencies can, you know, lead, not lead to preeclampsia, but there is a link between the two. So taking a really good prenatal vitamin has been really important to me. I've been pretty consistent with it. I probably miss it like one day out of the month, but if you do the math on like, I don't know, 29 out of 30 days in a month, I'm still getting like a 90 something percent score, which is how I look at it. So 
just be consistent with it when you can. If you're too nauseous to take a pill, take gummies. Um, there's a lot of good, well, relatively good gummies out there. I just personally look at things like how much vitamin D is in your prenatal because vitamin D3 is super, super important to bone development, brain development, nerves, everything in pregnancy. It also helps regulate your mood. So if you don't have enough vitamin D, which is hard to get from the sun and stuff like that, um, if you're not outside all the time, if your prenatal doesn't have enough vitamin D, I would just supplement extra I aim to get between 2,000 to 4,000 IUDs of vitamin D every day. I think right now I'm getting like probably like 3,000, but some people take four um, in total. It varies. Just make sure I would say like just try to get over 2,000 every day. Um, And other things I look for in a prenatal vitamin, they're all going to have, you know, folic acid, uh, methylfolate is a more bioavailable version of folic acid. Some people can't process folic acid. Um, which is a synthetic version of folate, which helps with like neural tube development and like spinal development and all that stuff. It's super critical in the early stages of pregnancy. Um, But some people can't convert folic acid into folate. Their body is just like, I don't know, they don't, they don't do it. They're missing that gene or whatever. So if you're not sure, taking one with like methyl L-folate instead of folic acid is maybe a good idea, but it's not the end of the world, I took a prenatal with folic acid, not methylfolate for a while, and I'm fine. Um, make sure you're just getting one of them. It doesn't, you know, it's not as critical which one. Hopefully your body can process the folic acid. But yeah, folate is super important. Um, the other B12, obviously, if you're not getting enough from food. And then they're all going to have like uh, iodine and like smaller amounts of all the different basic vitamins, most prenatals. But I always look out for the two things I look for is first of all, how much iron doesn't have in it because I don't want a bunch of iron because it's going to fuck me up. And I, I swear to you, like iron supplements are terrible. And also a vitamin that I think is overlooked often is choline. Like I said, egg yolks are full of choline, but it is pretty hard to find choline in just like your average diet. I think raw oysters or something have a lot of choline, but like raw oysters are really risky to eat in pregnancy because they are a large cause of foodborne illness. So I personally wouldn't, I'm not going around eating raw oysters every day. So finding a supplement with choline in it is helpful. And you'd be surprised how many prenatal vitamins don't actually have choline in them. So something I would definitely look out for. And then another trace mineral that I think is super beneficial that I wasn't really, it wasn't really on my radar before I became pregnant is chromium. I know it kind of sounds like a pop song or something like that, but it's a trace mineral that essentially helps with the metabolism of fats and proteins. (laughs) I don't know why I just forgot that word and, um, carbohydrates. So it helps also regulate your blood sugar, which is important because we want to avoid gestational diabetes. Um, you don't need that much of it, but just like if you can find a prenatal with some good trace minerals in it as well, it's just helpful because it's hard to get that stuff from food. Our soils are depleted. Our foods are depleted from trace minerals. And it's just like an extra little reassurance in my opinion. And the only other supplements that I've taken throughout this pregnancy is I take a probiotic just like good bacteria. Um, which I think is helpful. Also, 
I don't know how much health inclined stuff I should get on a podcast, but it is called something healthy. But honestly, so I, I've been pregnant twice. Like the first time I had that miscarriage and then this time is this time. And both times before I knew I was pregnant, I like taking a probiotic would have been really helpful because I felt like I was getting a yeast infection both times. And now I know that that's a sign that I'm probably pregnant. Um, but just like hormones and things get out of whack down there. So more beneficial for you than your baby, I think, even though babies benefit from good bacteria too. But yeah, just take a probiotic. And then I also take an omega-3 DHA supplement. It's just super basic. Most prenatals have some DHA or omega-3 in there, but I just like to take more because it's good for brain development um, and just like good fatty acids are helpful. So I take two little DHA omega-3 supplements every day, and I hope that it's going to make my baby a genius. We will see. And other than that, when it comes to like things that you need in pregnancy, I think that's it. There's a lot of stuff out there that people swear that you need, like different pregnancy maternity clothes and different bras and pillows and stuff like that. Even like bath products and just there's so many different products out there that people swear that you need. I think that pregnancy is just looked at as another business in America. Like pregnancy is a big business. And a lot of the products that people swear that you need, you don't really need. Like you just need good supplements, good vitamins, sleep if you can, um, a lot of water and just to work out. And I bought a pregnancy pillow. It's like a U-shaped pillow type of thing. And it's supposed to help you not sleep on your back. And it's okay. It's like kind of helpful, but you don't need it. And unless you're having sleeping problems, like, I don't know. It's, it's not on my must have list. I, it's not helping as much as I thought it would. Um, and the only other things that I've really been doing differently is that a few weeks ago I started eating four dates a day, which like is so gross. I don't like dates are not good. They're fine, but it's, I don't like eating them. So I force myself to eat four every day when I can remember. It feels like a waste of calories, which is a really toxic thing to say, I know, but it's supposed to help with labor. So I do that. And then I have started drinking red, red raspberry leaf tea. Um, sorry, I don't know why I forgot how to pronounce that for a second, but it's also supposed to help with your labor and shortening it. But the first time I drank it, I started getting contractions. So I haven't drank it since, but I'm going to start again because I've heard good things about it. So we'll see how it goes. I'm just going to like ease into it. And yeah, those are all of my pregnancy tips. Those are all of my pregnancy must-haves. I think the best thing you can do is to have a support system and choose the right person to become pregnant with. And I didn't do either of those things. So if you don't have that, I hope that these tips help. I personally am ready to not be pregnant anymore. Um, I'm really excited to not be pregnant anymore, even though it really hasn't been that bad. And maybe I'll leave it at that. The last tip that I could possibly give somebody is like, I had heard so many horror stories of pregnancy and like you feel terrible and you just see women who just look like they're miserable when they're pregnant. And I, even my mom was like telling me about how her shoes didn't fit. And you just, I was like, fuck, I'm going to turn into a whale. Honestly, you guys, it's not that bad. 
Yes, there are things out of your control. However, the things, everything I just listed is stuff within your control. And I think if you are healthy from the beginning and try and maintain that health, it's really not that bad. Like I really was expecting way worse. And I think going into labor now, while I'm scared, I'm also like kind of learning about hypnobirthing, which I hope helps. Um, it's kind of just like pain tolerance techniques and breathing techniques and stuff like that. But going into labor, I'm also, I'm hoping it's the same as pregnancy, which is like, you hear so many horror stories, but at the end of the day, a lot of people do this. Billions of women have done this throughout history. People do it. People choose to do it again and again and again and again. So clearly it's not that bad. And I'm just hoping that the horror stories that I've heard about labor and delivery um, are overshadowed by like the fact that it's not that bad and it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. So yeah, just focus on the positives because we all know that I'm great at that, focusing on the positives. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope that that helps. If anyone has any other questions, just DM me or something. I'll hopefully be able to answer them. But yeah, if you're pregnant, I hope you have a healthy, happy pregnancy. I hope you have somebody that can plan your baby shower for you. I am still bitter about mine. Um, Not bitter, just disappointed, I guess. And I I guess I'm just going to have to come to terms with that. I really didn't want to tell the baby shower story, honestly, because part of me was like, maybe if I just pretend that like a lot of people were there and the way that I combed through the pictures I posted on Instagram, I was like, maybe this looks like more people were there. It does. I don't think it does, but... I guess it just comes back to that Kanye quote, which by the way, I hope Kanye is okay. I'm pre-recording this episode a few days before it comes out and every day it's something different with Kanye. So I hope somebody checks on him right now. He's just lost everything and I hope it doesn't get worse for him, but I guess I'm just going to keep repeating this quote in my head. I don't know why it's helping me because it's actually kind of a hurtful quote, but people wasn't really with you. They was part-time People switch up when it's wartime.